Hey dreamers, this is Matt Marr from the DearMaddieShow.com. And I the one thing I want to tell you is that greatest weakness you have is actually your greatest strength if you just change your perception. Hey dreamers, I'm Joe Pardo, and thank you so much for holding out these last couple of weeks while I've been held up in the house here uh, with Ava Grace Pardo, our, our, our newborn daughter, our first daughter. Um, I got Matt here in the studio with me. We're live on Facebook Live because it's a lot of fun. And if you're not following me on, go follow me on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash Pardo Joe, I think is my personal profile account. If not, it's slash Pardo, one or the other. I'm not really sure. Uh, so I got Matt here in the studio with me. What's up, Matt? Hey, Papa Joe, how you doing? Uh, Papa Joe. Well, that was that was Joe Principe's name. You know, it sounds like a, like a pizza chain. Like you should be competing. I should be competing with Papa John's. I got Papa Joe's over here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't think I have the energy at this point. Go, you know, I've been going pretty hard on a lot of projects around the mm-hmm. house with this time off that I've found, and uh, it's been a lot of fun though. Uh, enjoying Ava, getting things done around the house. She's actually right here. Um, below my desk at the moment like just off camera but um you know again you should be following me on facebook so that you can check out the facebook live feed because we're doing it uh, it's monday usually we try to do these on monday mornings but this morning i had like a ton of things to do with my amazon account and then we had the contractor here and then my computer broke in, in in our in my theater room so i was trying to get that fixed and then that turned into so the whole day is just not like every single thing I've been trying to do today uh, has just not worked well for me. So it's it's awesome that we're getting you're here. The sun's finally out instead of raining, and uh, I got Ava like dancing around over here. So I'm probably gonna end up picking her up in a minute. But uh, my guest this week, just to you know, do the little teaser thing as we're supposed to do in the broadcasting world, uh, as Ava's teasing her over here um is uh, samantha riley who is an entrepreneur down in australia who actually left school like she left high school if i remember correctly it's been a while she left high school early to go start her you know pursue her passions and dreams so um matt why don't you take over the mic for a second while i pick her up you know, yeah, it's always exciting when uh, you know somebody strikes out on their own, especially at such an early age, and you know manages to uh, you know turn into a career. I met a couple of people like that. I either dropped out of uh, dropped out of college. Uh, I don't know if I know anybody that dropped out of high school. Actually, no, that's not true. I know one friend of mine actually dropped out to become a piano player. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, no, he it's it's still his passion, which is uh, it's pretty cool, and it's worked out for him. He's a fantastic player. Oh, that's awesome. But, uh, no, most people I know, you know, they went through high school and then partway through college, maybe they skipped college and just decided that, you know, it wasn't for them. I mean... It didn't need to be for them. It doesn't need to be. I mean, it's... I, I still think college is important in terms of, you know, just furthering your education and becoming, like, a well-rounded person. And it, But as far as a career, it may not be necessary depending on what you want to do. And especially, you know, if you're a self-starter and uh, you want to do your own business. Self-motivating people. Self-motiv- that's right. what we love here on Dreamers Podcast and love who I love interviewing. So, And you can always go back. It's not like college is going anywhere. That, that is true. <laughs> it will take you and your money there. We're happy to have you. All the monies <laughs> in the world. I'm trying to try to make uh, Ava not cry here. Full on cry at least. It's tough uh, if without actually standing up and like walking around. Um, 
I like how she woke up just in time for the podcast. Yeah, I know. She was sleeping just fine. Like, Melissa went and got a shower, and she's like, oh, are you sure about this? And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? It'll be fine. And, and here she is, like, coughing and crying, and we're bouncing, and yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but yeah. So, so, so yeah, so it's been at like three weeks that I've just put out the, the episodes the old way without doing these pre-shows, which we haven't really come up with a name, by the way. It's still... I, I'm liking like just calling it the pre-show because it's it's two syllables and easy to say and it makes sense because it tells you exactly what it is and and yeah so I don't know so in, until we come up with a better name that makes sense because <laughs> uh, it's not I mean it's an introduction but introduction has too many syllables in it so right. pre-show is two I can say that um, we keep it short we keep it efficient around here so yeah we do that's how we that's how we do. So, uh, so since, you know, the, the three weeks had Ava, it, it was, it's been an, uh, a pretty amazing experience. Haven't gotten a ton of sleep. Um, but you know, it's gotten more, every night seems to be a little bit better. Um, there's a lot of stretches where she's getting like four hours of sleep at night and then, uh, like three or four the next, you know, so we're, we're getting our six to seven hours of sleep. It's just not all at once. Sure. So it's, you know, it's kind of tough. Plus, we have to stay up to around midnight because that's when she'll finally start to calm down from the crying mm-hmm. that she hits, like, um, actually right around, what time is it? 7.30? So actually, right now, normally, she would be crying anyway. But I'm balancing her. She's she's good. Um, you kind of see her face here on, on Facebook Live. Again, you need to be following me on Facebook Live so you can check out the live feed. And, uh, yeah, so... It's it's pretty it's a pretty awesome feeling. I'm I'm super super stoked to be to be able to to have her here and uh, to be holding her while she's sleeping. I wish I could sleep the way she does, <laughs> all curled up. She loves to cross her legs. I like need one Indian of these you know, these uh, flea <laughs> sorry free floating cribs that she's got. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So she for the most part she's good. She lets us change her without crying. She, uh, she sleeps for the most part. And the only thing is, like, she, she really likes to be bobbed up and down. Like, she's like a little human shake weight. Hmm. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, she's, she's all right, though. A little bobblehead here. Um, so, in, in other news, uh, you know, aside from this, uh, I have been... So, I've been doing the, uh, you know, following my own advice from my, my 31 Life Changing Concepts book, which you don't... If you don't have it, you should go get it. And I was you know, doing everything pays rent or actually I've still been doing it and it's been almost a month now and there hasn't been a day that my store has been opened that I haven't gone to the post office to drop off packages. Now I've been taking pictures, putting them on social media, Instagram, uh, Facebook and, and Twitter and it's been pretty amazing. So far as of today, I've hit the just over $7,600 in about a month. Uh, we're, we're rapidly approaching. We're probably like right at the one month mark. So $7,600 in one month, just from stuff I had laying around the house that I had, hadn't used in a long time, electronics and computer parts and all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, so it's pretty amazing. And I haven't even scratched the surface yet. I still have tons of more things, uh, in the tank, uh, to, to, you know, to add to the store. And I think I might actually continue uh, this, you know, the store, even after I've run out of things the, uh, from my own personal collection, I might start collect, like taking up collections and stuff and inventorying and, uh, and selling it, continuing to sell through Amazon because of the amount of money that it takes. Um, you know, 
it's really or not takes but the amount of money that it brings in is is pretty sweet it's paid for some things around the house it's helping pay for her bill which is like four thousand dollars um which is kind of insane but that's nothing compared to the forty thousand dollars that the bill would be without insurance yeah uh so so yeah so not so not so bad um yeah so it, everything pays rent and and i'm getting i'm, I'm collecting my rent man <laughs> <laughs> how, have you, how have you been coming with your uh, with your collection of stuff in the storage unit? You know, it's been a very slow burn. I've actually only sold three items so far, and I guess part of it I probably have to adjust my pricing. I'll, you know, because when I went into it, I went in with the impression ball. Most of the items I have are like in, in mint condition or like new, so you know, I can you know charge a little more respectively, thinking I'd be targeting collectors, and that hasn't really panned out. So. Well, you can, but the problem is, is you're going to be waiting a longer time. Sure. You know, and not that you have to like bottom barrel your prices. Um, cause even my friend Mike was like, Hey, I can't believe you, you've sold so much so quick and your stuff sells so much quicker than mine. Why? And I said, cause I just matched the lowest price. Right. Like right. I've, I already own the stuff. I've gotten my use out of it. If you know, some things I've raised the price on, um, depending on what I was offering, you know, what was offered in it. So, but the, you know, for the by and large, um, it's it's really just like I just got to get what it's worth because it's just going to be worth less tomorrow and the day after and I saw that with, especially with like um I had an iPad to uh, like an iPad Air co- a smart cover and it started out and it was like oh it's like fifteen bucks and then it was like you know fourteen and it was thirteen and four twelve and ten and eight. And I think I pretty much got like a dollar out of it by the time I shipped it um, at the end of the day. But the thing is, is, you know, I don't know. Would I have gotten more if I sat on a higher price? Well, there's other people out there that, you know, keep lowering the price on it. It's a marketplace. They'll buy theirs. And then who knows how, how long it'll take for somebody else to come along to want to buy it. Well, that was the other thing, too, is I don't want to price it uh, too low. Because, you know, then if I start dropping the price, which, you know, I certainly don't mind doing. But then I feel like, all right, now I'm not getting what I... The minimum that I thought I would get for it. I also I don't want to price something too low to start with because I feel it kind of like undermines the value of it. I mean, you want to sell something at a price that you know uh, people expect to pay, and maybe a little bit less. But well, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying right. to sell the you know collector's version or a collector's um, quality version versus like you know a used version of mm-hmm. something, you know you can offer ask for more. But you're going to be waiting around for a person that's actually trying to collect a collector's version versus. Oh, that's I just and that's want to just play it. The game. Right. I mean, certain really certain items I have, and, and not many of them, but certain items are rare and hard to find. So, you know, I'm trying to cash on that because if people are willing to pay those prices, you know, by all means. But uh, like I said, you're waiting around longer to find the person that, you know really wants to get it and wants you know like in the original condition with all the extras and the, you know the the goodies and whatnot. Right. And it yeah. And it, it, it sometimes it's tough. Um, but yeah, so I, I still have like around a hundred items in my store. I've sold over a hundred and like 20 items so far. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going really well. And like I said, I still have a ton more things like just waiting to be added. I just haven't had the time to do it. That's true. Your stuff's been flying off the shelf and it's funny too, cause you had like this little open air flea market in the garage where I walk and I'm like, you know, do I have a use for that? Nah, probably not. Then I'm like trying to, I'm thinking about it cause it's, it's just all right there. All these electronics. I know there's a ton, there's a ton of crap in there. Um, so another big thing that happened the other day was it was the two year anniversary on April second 
of the day that I stopped working at my family's business. Um, and it snuck up on me really quick. Like I didn't even realize it. Like I have a, actually, I have quite a few things that came out in April. Um, April 14th, uh, it'll be two years since Adventuratorium came out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Two years already. Um, uh, what else? I think, I, I think 31 life changing concepts was released last April. So that's coming up on the one year anniversary of that book release. I don't know why I don't. Well, I mean, she wasn't born in April. She was born in March. But you know, this this is a pretty like jam packed anniversary celebration uh, time of year, I guess, for me. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's it's hard to believe that it's been that much time has passed. How do you feel? Uh, I mean, you know, in those two years, how, how do you feel things have been going for you? How do you feel it's you made the right decision? Do you feel things have been slowed or going quick? Like how? What's been your overall experience? You know, I, I think what's important for people to realize, especially people that want to do like this kind of, you know, content creation and helping people delivering value and all that stuff. Like it doesn't happen overnight because people have to believe that you're like in it to win it and you're going to continue to be in it to win it. Like for not like tomorrow and, and, and a year from now and two years from now and, and keep going. I mean, Drew, this this podcast is going to rapidly is rapidly coming up on its two year anniversary already uh, in May May fifteenth. I should know this, but uh, I think it's like May fifteenth or something <laughs> like that. So it'll be two years that we I've been doing recordings for Dreamers Podcast with over two hundred and heck, this is episode I think two hundred and twenty four. I think. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, you know, how many shows don't make it past episode ten? A lot. <laughs> and how many shows don't even make it to an episode one hundred? Like. So it, it's wild that um, that uh, that that we're that we're here and I'm still doing it and still having fun doing it and, and have reinvented ways for me to enjoy doing it, especially now like doing the pre-show here with you and uh, getting to reflect on my own journey versus just you know following other people's journeys, mm-hmm. which is fun. I mean, it's good for me. It gives me something to look back on, and and uh, so far I've been really happy with doing it and. You know, taking three weeks off from it, I missed it. I was I was legitimately trying to find ways to, for us to be able to, to make it happen in those three weeks that I didn't do this. So, uh, it, I mean, the last one we did was in a car on the way to a yeah. store. So, you know, we, we I, I really wanted to find ways to do it. Though you were pretty busy, too, with um, your work schedule had changed or was fluctuating or something at the time. Right. But, so, so here we are, like we're back, and um, it... It's it you know it's it ha- no it hasn't gone as fast as I wanted to um you know money wise no but I, I mean I, I don't really want a whole lot of money that's not one of the reasons why I, I do it I don't really care about money like money doesn't mean a whole lot to me so uh, experiences do helping people does uh, just you know being able to like I love technology so for me like money isn't mean anything but technology does and I mean obviously money take you need it to survive and to buy technology and stuff like that but but like those are the things that matter to me those are the things that get me fired up and business in general right like getting to um, getting to to work with other entrepreneurs on their businesses and take the knowledge that I've learned from you know I mean not just my experience in, in growing up in a you know hundred million dollar company but the experiences of the people that ran that hundred, you know, that, that created that, uh, that business. 
So I, I think for me, it, it's really just getting started. Like I knew from the beginning that this wasn't like a sprint. Well, not from the beginning, beginning, but but about two or three months in, I realized like, wow, this isn't like a sprint. Like people, just because you say you have a show, it doesn't mean like people are going, oh my god, that's amazing. Like, no, nah, it, do, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. But when you when you get to the point of the level of like, okay, well, I've been doing it for this long, and, and you show longevity in it, and you show seriousness in it, you know, that's when you start catching people's attention, and people are like, oh, well, if he's been doing it this long, well, then it must mean something. Um, even if it doesn't, right? Because like, like I said, the money isn't amazing, um, but I've made money. And I, I, I am very confident that I can continue to make money on my terms, not compromising myself, not doing things that I don't want to do, not doing things that, uh, for lack of a better term, like a sellout, if you will. Um, that's, you know, integrity is, is really important to me. And what the way I go about doing things is really important to me. So, and, and I'm, I'm sure you, you know that, Matt, about me. I mean, given our history of <laughs> how long we've known each other. Well, yeah, no, I, I was going to say in your case, you know, you can't really, you know, for some people money is the goal. But for you, I feel money is more uh, an ends, uh, means to an end, only because you had a job. We're making a lot of money. You weren't happy. You've had other offers recently, you know, where it's like, oh, hey, come work for us. You're like, I'm going to give up what I love to do. And I have actually gotten those offers. Right. I got an offer in North Jersey, too, to right. be a salesman for uh, the software company that we used from while we were, when we were in business. And I'm like, yeah, I could, but I w- wouldn't want to. Like, right. I'd much rather go work at, like, the supermarket down the street and just like beep things across the conveyor belt because I wouldn't have to think about it. And I could save the energy to do things that I care and love about, like writing books and helping people and helping businesses and better utilize that stuff. I know for me, I used to laugh a lot when people would say, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. I'm like, <laughs> sure it does. But I think what I found is that money, while it buy you a lot of things, it's really, it's an empty experience. Like you can own a whole bunch of stuff and we'll make you more comfortable but it's not going to make you happy. I really think the the takeaway is experiences, and and part of that with your show is that you get to talk to people, you get to learn new things. You, it's almost like you get to travel the world from your living room. I do essentially. I do get to travel, like with you know. I mean, come on, the the, the uh, Samantha Riley is in Australia. I've had a couple of uh, interviews from Australia and UK, like all over the world. I mean, Nigeria. I was just interviewed the other day. I mean, but in addition to like going out and experiencing things for myself, I love to hear other people's stories about just things that have happened in their life, places they've been. I mean, there's so there's so much you can absorb that is just it scratches a different itch than reading a book or watching a movie or you know going out and you know buying like a, some new electronic toy. It's 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 more meaningful and I think it uh, it's more impactful. You know, and ultimately, when you want to look back in your life, it's like, oh, either I bought a whole bunch of stuff or, like, I learned so much, you know, I changed, I grew, and I gave back to people. I think is a lot more fulfilling in the wrong, long run. And, you know, it's legacy is important. I mean, it's, it is. You know? It is. And, you know, the, the, even, like, even though I love technology, right, the, the, the thrill of it, like, of new things fades really fast yes yes like, it does <laughs> like in a day or so like i might still be fascinated by something like a week later right but that's on the rare occasion at this point <laughs> um and it has to but but the thing is, is here's why it fades into the background because stuff integrates into your life and you either end up loving it or you return it yep so so that's the thing right um or you shelve it and then you like three you know a year later you're like why do i still have this i need to sell this 
But but that experience of like, oh my god, like look how cool this is. It's, it's neat. It does this. It does that. Uh, a good example of that was I uh, recently switched over to PC uh, or PC Windows for my work desktop because I needed more power to do the things that I wanted, and I wanted to combine my server, uh, my vid, like my my media server that I'm putting all these awesome videos of Ava who's sleeping right now through all of this um, onto onto my server. So I was like, let me combine my my gaming PC, which I don't use very often because I don't get to play a whole lot of games anymore, uh, and my server into one computer and bring it all together. And that's uh, one of the things that I've been doing over the past couple weeks was that. So, um, so oh, where was I going with this? Crap. I forget where I was going with this. I saw <laughs> Well, you just, you know, you're basically talking about how uh, new things have a very short shelf life. Oh, okay. So, so, so yeah, so I got the, I, oh, Oh, that's where I was going with it. So uh, I was like, well, you know, now that I have a Windows, um, you know, I'm using Windows on my desktop, maybe I should consider getting a Windows laptop because it's a lot cheaper. I don't need my MacBook Pro anymore. In fact, I'm selling my MacBook Pro if anybody's interested. It's a 2014 13-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, it's awesome. Just, you know, shoot me a message on Facebook or wherever. Um, anyway... <laughs> It, it, well, it was supposed to be sold, but it was on eBay, unfortunately. So the guy hasn't paid me, and it's now day four. So I'm sitting around waiting for my payment. That probably isn't going to come. So i got to wait seven days before I can relist it. Then it's seven days on a bidding. And then it's like the end of April before I can finally get my money. So maybe. Technically, your financial total will be a lot higher if people actually paid you on time. Cause I, this is not the first time where somebody has failed to that's true. They bought it, but they didn't pay for it, and now you're kind of stuck in this limbo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, I and you can't complain to eBay because they just oh, they no. don't care. No. Um. Anyway, that was getting off topic. So I was like, yeah. okay, so maybe I'll get a MacBook Air, but I was like, ah, uh, you know, like an 11 inch MacBook Air because I don't need all the horsepower that my my MacBook Pro has because I have this awesome desktop now. I sold my Mac Mini. Uh, that was my daily driver on like what I was doing all my videos on and everything. And I'm so kind of glad I did because it was from 2012 and. You know, I got a lot of use out of it. Um, also sold it for actually probably about what I paid for it originally at this point because it's so, it, it actually is pretty valuable still. So anyway, I, I got a, uh, was it, a Lenovo uh, Yoga. And I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I can like use it as a track, uh, as a touchpad, uh, or not a touchpad, a, a, a tablet. And this is so cool. And you know what? The, tra the one thing that annoyed me was the trackpad. The trackpad, every time I went to click on the trackpad, it like shifted a couple pixels. And I was like, I can't deal with that. Like, I just can't. Like, it's just, it's just not going to work for me. So I was like, you know what? For three, like for $275 more, I'll just get the MacBook Air. You know, I, I uh, ended up, you, you know, the number one thing I learned from college, always use somebody else's money. So you get, you get 12 months, no interest for on, on 550 bucks, use it, but make sure you pay it off. So, and I've talked about this in previous episodes with, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the name, unfortunately. I can see her face. She's a very animated face. But, um, well, I've talked with Amy Robles, and, but also, um, uh, I can't think of her name, and I apologize. But point is, is there's past episodes that were all about, you know, getting your finances in order and all that. So go check those out. Um, but yeah, anyway, I ended up returning it and, and just spending the, the extra cash to get what I wanted, which was the MacBook Air. So now I, I, I work between um, a Mac and, and Windows, which isn't so bad because I have my own server. So I, I just put all my projects on the server and then I just pull them onto the Mac. 
Um, so it's not it's not bad. I I, I can work definitely work around that. Um, but you know, I wanted extra power, and that's what it came down to. And the you know, what was available wasn't there. So the the whole shiny thing didn't even last twenty four hours. Because I remember I think I think I did I text you Matt that I bought a yoga. I know I texted. I know I sent an email to Shane uh, Condor, uh, and. <laughs> He's like, holy crap! I can't believe you did that. That's it's it's insane. Cause I haven't had a I haven't been using Windows except for server stuff since 2007 when I got um uh, when I got a MacBook Pro. Since that, like ever since then. So it's been almost 10 years, you know. And now I'm back coming back to Windows for well a little bit just for work pretty much. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I thought it was like the setup for a joke, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I ended up returning because the you know, the shininess wore off and the trackpad was making me very angry to, to, to say the least. So, uh, you know, so he, so my point is, is, you know, money can buy you things. The, the thing is the, you know, those things, the, it wears off pretty quickly. Um, and then it just, or it fit, you know, cause it either fades into your daily routine, like iPhones or, or, or the Apple watch or whatever, you know, new phones or whatever you're going to get. It, it'll just like, it just blends into your life. And then it's not as exciting. It doesn't give you the warm fuzzies. Um, it, most likely, you know, something, there's still some things that are like, wow, every time I use it, I'm like, oh man, that's, this is awesome. Uh, maybe if I had like uh, a massage chair, like one of those big massage chairs or something, I probably would get that same feeling every time. Maybe, maybe, but it probably would just like blend into my normal routine of like, okay, I'm going to go sit in my chair now. Of course, that was when I was a lot more stressed, you know, and now I don't have that problem anymore because, uh, I don't, you know, I don't have like a real job. So that was a long way of saying that it was two years since I left and, uh, it, it's really important to, to follow what you, you know you want to do and how you know and not compromise yourself and how you're going to do it. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Because you look like you do. I I just want to say that you know I want to correct you that you don't have a traditional job. I wouldn't say you don't have a real job because you, you work your butt off. I mean to be fair, <laughs> I, know, it's it's I nip, it's nitpicking, but I appreciate that because I I do I do work. Oh, we're we're startling a little bit. Um, so you, even Ava, you know, is, yeah. she, you talking she about that. She made the fist. She yeah. made the fist. She's like, I'm going to fight you over whether or not you have a real job. Speaking of which, you know, I think uh, UFC uh, champ in training here, because every time I see her, she's kicking something, headbutting somebody, <laughs> punching. Uh... We'll see. We'll see. It's a little too early to tell, but uh, it's it's quite possible. She has a stork bite on her left eye, so it kind of looks like almost like a yeah. black eye. <laughs> like she, she came out fighting already. Um, now, Dad, what do you what do you uh, think uh, she should be when? Well, not what she should be, but what would you anticipate her being when she grows up? Do you see her? Uh, uh, man, too, too, too early know. to say, right? Yeah, it's 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 too early. A lot to of tell. possibles. It's yeah. too early. She's only she's not even three weeks old yet, Matt. Yeah. Get, you know, ask me like when she's two or three. Mm -hmm. I think I'll have a pretty good beat on it. Yeah. You know, when they when the personality really comes in and and the interests come in, and I could you know see that. Hopefully she's interested in SimCity and not the Sims. You don't have some kind of like prenatal SAT she could take. You know, it wasn't already figured out. <sighs> she can't even see colors yet. <laughs> she's still, she's still so little. I mean, it's it's just you know, it is just this. There's, there's plenty of careers in black and white. I'm sure that we can, we can get her uh, yeah, interested. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to um, limit the <laughs> uh, people with disabilities who can't see black and white or, or only seeing black and white. But you know, I'm sure, I'm sure. But uh, right now, you gotta get give me a, give me like a year, give me a year, <laughs> just give me a year, and I'll maybe I'll. Uh, no, nah, I think I need more than that. I think I need at least two or three, to, and I'll, I might have a better beat on where where she might be heading. Sure. Um, 
so let's see. The other thing I wanted to get to was I watched the movie uh, In the Heart of the Sea. And I thought it was, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I thought it was really interesting <laughs> the complexity of them achieving to like what they had to do to get oil back then in the you know the mid 1800s versus um i can s- literally sit on my butt watch it grow and collect energy off the top of my house yeah, from solar panels pretty pretty fi- <clears throat> frightening process i mean and anything uh any anything maritime you know it's just even today <laughs> i mean you know, you look at some of these shows, you know, where these fishermen are going out there and risking their lives. Just, you know, it's... it's To get crabs. Yeah. I mean, not the bad crabs, Pretty... but good crabs. <laughs> uh, it definitely takes a certain kind of uh, fortitude. Or need. Well, oh yeah, true, yeah, true. If you, need, if you need the money, you know, mm-hmm. you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, it, no, it's just, it's just crazy, like... The, you know how hard it was for people to collect energy you know to collect energy back then and now it's like literally i can sit on my butt and collect energy <laughs> like <laughs> once you put the point of the panels out like literally the sun is just giving out free energy <laughs> <laughs> um but you know it, it, it is a good movie i would definitely suggest checking it out um maybe it was a little bit long but hey it's ron howard so you know what can you expect and uh, i think it was uh, one of the hemsworths Liam or Chris or uh, I think the guy who plays Thor was in it and he did a pretty good job um you know the, the, the final thing I want to talk about is about suffocation warnings okay yeah so we have this um and I maybe I, well I have her in my hands at the moment um and if you were watching us on on Facebook live you would know that um there we have like this bassinet and it has canvas sides that you cannot breathe through. So what do they do? They put in these giant suffocation warnings. And I'm like, well, wait a second, wait a second. We know that infants are going in these things, right? We know that. Like, that's who it's designed for. That's the, the target market is, right? And yet, we're designing them to have warnings on them about if the baby can roll over, then they shouldn't be in this thing. <sighs> Why? Why are we doing this? Why, like, why is that acceptable in 2016? Like, it could be made out of mesh. So we had to go and we we did some research. And there's some bassinets that are like really dangerous. Like, there's all wood ones. Like, I don't know. I guess if you're like hipster family or something, you might get the all wood one. But they have like the old ones too that that really aren't safe because they're not breathable. So we found one. It was thirty dollars. Uh, I wish I knew the name of it off the top of my head. But they sell it at Target, and it's all mesh sides. In fact, even the, the 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 small, slim pieces that aren't mesh sides are breathable. Like, I put my mouth up to it, and I can breathe through it. So I'm like, oh, well, that's awesome. And, it, it, you know, she's going to be able to be in that for a while. So we use it for her to sleep. Like, we have a co-sleeper that, like, attaches to the side of the bed. And she's able to sleep in that. Um, well, we, we thought she was going to be able to sleep in it now, but the thing is, is she likes to have her arms up. So we don't swaddle her very much. Hmm. Uh, actually as of late, we haven't swaddled her, swaddled her at all because she likes to throw her arms up. Like it's really surprising right now that she doesn't have her arms up like this because like a lot of times, and if you're watching on Facebook live, this is how she has her arms right up by her head. Oh yeah. Both of them. Like she's like a champ, like, like that. Um, that's all day long she's been doing that i wasn't joking about the boxing <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah i know so so my point is is uh we couldn't put her in the in the co-sleeper thing so we had to get a bassinet so we put the bassinet in the co-sleeper and it works it's great 
But the best part is, is it's all mesh, so we don't have to worry. So like when we put her, like when we have, we bring it downstairs every every morning, and we'll let her sleep in that uh, on the floor because with that she can't suffocate. Like we're able to like, oh, if we have to go into the garage or something, and no one like, and and I'm not in the room, Melissa, can, or I can go in the garage while Melissa's like in the bathroom or getting a shower. Like I don't have to worry about her first time rolling over being the last time she ever rolls over because she can't roll back over and she suffocates because her face gets planted up against the side of it. So why, like, I don't understand why this is still a thing. Like we know how to make materials that can hold babies clearly because I have one that was all of $30. And the great thing is it's not that wide. So when she puts her arms out, she hits the edges and go and just falls right back to sleep. Yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't just make it all mesh. I sure is a reason but I mean, there's I... mesh in the in, in this one there's mesh yeah, like right. until you get into like the cradle part like mm -hmm. where she's actually laying her head and that's where you can't breathe even the back side of it like this we have a uh like if you flip it over it's a, a like it's called a napper or something like that where she had like she can actually get seat belted into the napper it's like an extreme seat <laughs> napper or something you know that you have to be seat belted in but um you can actually breathe through it. So, so if she did happen to get like far enough over, she wouldn't uh, be able to suffocate because you you could you can breathe through it. Uh, so I, it's just my point. It's just very annoying that that companies are like we're we're gonna make it this way, and it's good enough to just put a warning on the side of it. Like, now granted, look, we all like me and you, Matt. We grew up and and this stuff wasn't you know we had bumpers and stuff and we don't have that anymore. Like you're not supposed to have those anymore. And there's lots of things that were you know when we were growing up that you it's you don't do that stuff now. Oh yeah, I know. So, but but the point is 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 why are we making stuff at all like that? It just it just shouldn't be. It just shouldn't be. You gotta do the right thing. Gotta do the right thing. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess that pretty much wraps up the pre-show here because uh i don't i had one other thing on my on my mind um about managing and how you know what let's let's talk about because i think i think it actually has some 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 valid uh points and while it's on my mind it, it wouldn't hurt to talk about plus we get more ava can't facetime here on the uh, on facebook live uh so managers oh managers you know if you if you have to go and like go above, like if you know something's illegal and you know that something is morally wrong on top of it already being illegal, why as a manager would you not take the initiative to just say, no, we're not doing that. Like that's not, it's not, it's illegal and it's morally wrong. Why would you be like, well, let me go ask the higher up. I mean, to me, it's a sign of like bad management. And I'll be, I'll be honest, and that I, I know that you had mentioned this before, but or had mentioned this to me before. Uh, you know, I, I a year, two years ago, be you know, being in a in an operations management position, I didn't like to like yell at people that much um, and stuff like that. Like, I, like I feel like you, you can get a lot more with sugar than. I, I don't know. However, that thing with bees or flies or whatever goes. Anyway, <laughs> point is, is it really made me mad when I seen what was going on, and it made me even madder because I literally just started watching, and I know it had existed, but I just never watched it. Was Bar Rescue, 
And and watching John Taffer, not just him yelling, because it's not about him yelling, but the, him, his expectations of what people should be doing and how they should be doing it is, it's, it's right. Like, it's just totally right. So... So when I see, and when I was, you know, start watching, of course I've watched like the whole first season because we've been on the couch so much that that's all we pretty much have been watching was 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 Bar Rescue. Um, when I see it in person, I'm like, this is not right, and and I feel like I should say something or step in, um, which I didn't, but I did say something, and it felt good to be able to point out the fact that like this is not right and it shouldn't be happening like this and managers should be able to manage that's what they're paid to do right it is and uh, going off of bar rescue as an example i a lot of times i'm not sure where i see someone who uh, owns a bar isn't stepping up it's either because they've either checked out you know things are just so bad they just they don't care anymore and you know they're just still let let somebody else take the responsibility they don't want to be um they just want to be done with the whole thing or in other cases where manager is just they're they're so they're like they're friendly but too friendly it's like all right i'm everybody's buddy and i know this guy and i know he needs the money so i don't want to tell him he can't do this but i know i I should tell him he can't do it and i'm like torn there's got to be a fine line between like you said what's legally correct you know what's morally right and just and, and just plain common sense you know it's like being able to step up and do, do and just do it and, right? and make, rather than like right. well, let me just ask i mean you know. somebody has to make the hard decision somebody has to be you know the quote unquote bad guy but ultimately you're doing it for the right reasons i mean you are paid to be a manager you are paid to essentially assume responsibility so in the situation you're describing, it, it seems pretty clear cut where, you know, you should just say, Hey, here's how it is. I'm sorry, but I got to do the right thing. You know, not only for ultimately for you, but for anybody else that, uh, you know, could be affected by me being irresponsible or taking the easy way out. Like, Oh, well, I'll just overlook it this one time. And then, and then somebody, somebody dies. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, that's, you know. that's, the, that's what it comes down to. So, yeah. So managers, you need to, to, you know, it sucks being the bad guy. Sure. But there's ways about being nice about being the bad guy, right? You don't have to be a jerk about being the bad guy. You can be, you know, you can be understanding, you can be empathetic, but like at the end of the day, like you need to make the call instead of being like, well, let me just make somebody else be the bad guy. Like, and, and, and growing up admittedly, I, I did a lot of that. You know, I would use my dad as a crutch to be like, well, you know, my dad said blah, 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 blah. And instead of just being like, well, no, this is just the way it is because this is what's right or this is what's wrong. And this, there's reasons for why things are the way they are or supposed to be. So, you know, just, and that, and that comes with experience, right? And that's one of the reasons why you're as, you know, if you are a manager, you're supposed to be experienced in, in handling type, you know, those types of situations when they arise. Right. Because it's easy to fall into the trap of uh, making that, the logical assumption that oh somebody else knows more than I do you know so he's worked here longer he's older than me or you know whatever justification you come up with you know you have to have a certain level of confidence to say that no I know what's right I I believe in myself I trust myself to know that if I get a bad feeling about this I don't need somebody else to tell me that I'm correct I just got to go with my gut and say here's how it is and then you know you just you, you accept what happens afterwards you accept the fallout but you know again it, it's you're doing the right thing and uh you're doing your job ultimately i mean that's again if you're in that position now if you're an underling 
then sure, it's fine to go say, you know, let me go ask my boss because, you know, I'm not the guy in charge, but obviously somebody's got to be the, uh, <laughs> right. Somebody's got to be running the Someone's show. Someone's got to take so. responsibility. And, and that's what, you know, managers are supposed to do is take responsibility. Right. So yeah, I, you know, and, and, and to go off the whole Barreski thing, it, it's interesting too, when John is not like, he, he's not afraid to call owners out and be like, look, you're not empowering your, your managers to be managers. You're not giving them the tools, the resources that they need. So as you know, as owners, you know we need to look at whether or not we're doing a good enough job for those people. If they're, you know, because if they're not getting the support that they need, uh, if you're constantly going over their head as an owner, uh, over the manager's head, or just you know, just not giving them the the, the, the products or the the whatever they need to be able to be effective, um, or even if it's just support, moral support, an ear to listen. I mean, how many times, uh, you know, I've had the listen to people uh as as being in the position that i was in just just listening to people was enough to help them along and make them feel good even though i didn't really have the power to do a lot about it because there was somebody still over my head in a lot of cases but you know sometimes it's all people really want just somebody to listen and actually you know care enough to hear the whole story but you know i understand what you're saying you know if you you don't want to undermine your own infrastructure in a company where if you're the manager, you say, okay, here's my second in command. If people know they can, you know, if he says no, they can come, you know, run the mom or run the dad. Well, he said I couldn't do Oh yeah, no, let's go ahead and fine. If you're constantly undermining your own employees, you know, you're just setting yourself up for failure. It's like, well, how come I can't trust you to take care of anything? Because anything I do, I don't know that you're not going to come in and override it. Right. You know, I, Regardless of if it's right or wrong. If the buck doesn't stop with me, why am I even here? Like, I'm supposed to be the first line of defense, and people are just, they're just walking around to the back of the house and (laughs) knocking on the, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. know. Well, sometimes people would do that. Did that to my dad with my (laughs) grandfather. You know, oh, well, you know, your dad said. Right, right. uh, (laughs) Which is uh, not good for for him, uh, for sure. Yeah, no, so you want to nip that kind of behavior in the bud, you know, And, and it's important. And, and, you know, and vice versa, maybe you don't, you don't trust the person that's working under you, then, then why are they still there? You know, you should get rid of them, put in somebody that you can trust that is going to apply policies the way you would apply them so that you don't have to, you can go on focus on the big picture and they can handle the day-to-day stuff. I mean, again, otherwise, why even have a manager? Why not just run the whole show yourself and go crazy and just, you know, and make more money, <laughs> be stressed know, saving, out. saving money on, uh, and employees, and, you know, I mean, yeah. that's always important too. So. Uh, managing your overhead and costs through through just being like, well, I'm just going to do it. But the, but then you have the stress level, right? And That's nobody smart. wants to put themselves in a, in a in a bad position when it comes to stress, and you shouldn't because. That's one of the reasons why you, if you own a business or you're running, you know, you're in that position, you shouldn't let the business be running you. You got to run the business, and and that's why you got to get people like cog. You know, it's all cogs in a, in a machine. You know, if you don't put the right pieces in there, it's not going to turn. It's not going to turn over. It's not going to work right. So, oh man, that's a long way of saying uh, Bar Rescue is an awesome show, regardless <laughs> of the fact that it is still TV. And while I don't watch a whole lot of TV, it's probably easily one of the best shows on television, uh, easily in the top five, especially if you take out, like, all these dramas that people love that I watch and I'm like, yawn. It's predictable, and I'm not really that interested. Um, I'd rather watch something and learn something, and that's 
that's really what that comes down to is watching and learning and listening and li and not just listening but you know one of the things that i try to do whenever i'm watching something that i i feel is educational like like a bar rescue and then obviously it's entertaining and, and all that but i don't watch it because it's entertaining like sure. there's other shows i could be watching entertaining but i watch it because i use you know I, i'm looking at how i can apply it to my own you know whether it's management skills my own fold learning stuff um and how that like you know okay i don't even i mean i don't drink <laughs> i don't go to bars i hate bars actually so so for me it's like it has nothing to do with bars in general it has everything to do with business running businesses and management and being able to help people and even like coaching people right consulting like that's like okay like how's this guy doing it then and like john taffer and applying like what he how he's doing it uh and not just the yelling part because like some of that is definitely for television but it's dramatic sure but you know but right. hey look you're trying to get ratings you know people want to well yeah you got hey he loses the show if it, get, it doesn't get right. ratings then, then it's gone so then then nobody gets to learn any of the information that that they that these people have to offer and again it's not about drinks because i don't care i don't care about that because i don't go to bars i don't it's not it's that's i'm not their target market put right. it that way but you're still getting a takeaway from it. oh i get a lot i've gotten a lot of takeaway from it and i i plan on watching a heck of a lot more episodes so uh for me it's it's definitely uh you know it's like another shark tank or beyond the tank mm -hmm. getting to watch watch these companies and and how they operate and what their business plans are and how I, you know, how, how, like, how could I go about helping them if I, if I was there to be able to help them? Um, but yeah, so that, yeah, that, that pretty much sums up, um, be a manager. <laughs> if you're a manager, be a manager. Don't, don't, uh, don't shy away from, from taking the reins. Yeah. And basically don't be afraid to tell people what you want and you don't have to, I mean, yeah, sure. If things get escalated, they get escalated, but you don't have to come in like, and all pissed off you can just say look this is what i want and just be insistent about it. sometimes you gotta be a broken record you know just keep saying look this is what i want and they come up with an excuse okay that's great this is what i want but eventually either you'll get what you want or you'll come to some kind of common ground or if all else fails at least you could say hey at least i made my demands clear and i just walk away not feeling crappy because like oh i should have said this i should have done something like don't let people walk all over you whether you're a manager or yeah, just in daily life. I mean, it's, it's, and again, I think that's what you can kind of take away from Bar Rescue is that some of these managers are just, like I said, they checked out or their employees are just running crazy and they don't know what to do. And they go, oh, I don't know what to do. I, I can't, you're in charge. You're in charge. I mean, you forgot that for a while, but you're in charge. You can hire, you can fire. It's because yeah. everybody, everybody becomes your friend. Well, <laughs> and you don't want to, you don't want to disappoint And your I'm not saying you shouldn't be friends with your employees. I mean, I, you know, the manager I work for now, I think he's a great guy, but he's very hands off. You know, if you do something wrong, yes, he'll be on you and rightly so. But otherwise, you know, essentially the way I look at it is I hired you to do a job. If I don't got to yell at you, that means you're doing it right. So I can trust you. So I don't got to micromanage you. Why should I be breathing down your neck, aggravating myself, aggravating you? I can go focus on something Just else. Aggravating all around. Yeah. Or maybe focus on the guy that's not doing his job. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, well, that's the... <laughs> You know. If only more people would do that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's what I like. You know, I, I just... And if I need help from him, I can go ask him. But only if it's something that I'm absolutely, you know... I, it's completely out of... Like, I have no idea or... It's something that I, I'm not allowed to make a decision. You know, right, like, right. Because my job is a lot of red tape. But for anything <laughs> else, I'll be the bad guy and say, Look, here's what I need you to do. 
You can go car to somebody else, but it's just a lot quicker just to, I've already done most of the work for you. Just do it, get it done, and maybe for next time you'll know we can save each other some trouble. So, You know, one last thing I was thinking, and, and uh, obviously we got to uh, wrap it up. I'm not sure how long this Facebook Live goes now because it's been so many weeks since <laughs> we've done it. We're at 47 minutes at this point. I think we point. just record for days at this point. They won't, I, they won't I shut hope, us down. I hope, at least. Well, because at one point it was for an hour and a half yeah. they, they were letting me, but... I don't know, so I don't know if it's an hour. Usually, it was jumping back to like a half hour for a while, but um, you know, so I was I was having a conversation with my dad about uh, the trans transportation industry, and he's like, oh, you know, everybody's trying to be the Uber of something, <laughs> and it's like, you know, there's just these guys. He's like, I was listening or reading about, um, they're trying to be the Uber of the trucking industry, and and we got into a conversation about this, and I was like, well, and I didn't realize it until afterwards, right? I was thinking about this, and I'm like, well, he, here's the thing, right? He's sitting there giving me all the reasons why it wouldn't work, right? Just like five years ago, like, oh, well, taxis, nobody could touch the taxi industry because there's all these regulations and da-da-da-da-da, and, you know, how, how could a thing like Uber ever take off? Plus, you have all the security things, like somebody's going to wind up getting killed in one of these Ubers, and it's going to be a problem and, and all that. But they figured it out. And the reason they figured it out, the secret to all that, and it's not even a secret, is they weren't sitting around on a Sunday afternoon watching baseball, spitballing ideas about why something wouldn't work. They actually, you know, the, and I, I, I haven't honestly looked into that company, but in general, these people that come up with these ideas do the research. They put the effort in. They get the lawyers involved. They find what ways, you know, what ways they can go and circumvent what already exists, so that they can create effectively whatever it is that they want to create. And they're not just sitting around saying, "Oh, well, it wouldn't work because right now the walls are blah 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 blah." Right? Because you're this is what you know, and this is what you know to be true. The thing is, is there's lawyers out there that are constantly trying to find how to circumvent those laws. And if you have the money and you have the technology background and you can reduce your costs, then you could technically be the Uber of transportation, you know, 18 wheeler trucks delivering stuff. But maybe it's not 18 wheeler trucks. Maybe you get it all done with box trucks. I don't know. I, you know, that's just one example. But my, the whole point of the matter is, is don't limit yourself in the thinking of, well, you know, I'm in this industry and I know how it runs. Like, you're right, you do. And that's that's great. But you haven't really sat down to think about the ways that you could go around what it already is. Um, and, and, and a great example of that is I was watching Beyond the Tank and uh, what was it, the Coop, who they're like a like an upscale Chuck E. Cheese, for lack of better terms. Um, they were like, oh, we need the franchise. We need the franchise. We got a franchise. And then they're, they're sitting there talking to Barbara, and she's, they're like, well, we have this one partnership down in Texas that we just started, and it's going great. We designed the store for them, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's really wonderful. And she's like, so wait, why did you go with the partnership? It's like, well, we talked to a lawyer, and the lawyer said there's all there's like so much less red tape than selling a franchise. And she's like, well, then why aren't we just doing more partnerships then? And they're like, well, we didn't really think about it. And then all of a sudden, boom, now they're doing all these partnerships and they're probably making a lot more money at it with a lot less red tape than, you know, trying to do the franchise thing. And really all it comes down to is a term of franchise versus partnerships. Sure. It's a matter of perspective. You Starbucks know? is partnerships, apparently, from, right. you know, from, from listening to the show. So, you know, it, it exists. But the thing is, it's less known than, oh, I'll just get a franchise. 
Well, it's the difference between, like I said, you're looking at something and saying, here's why it wouldn't work, or looking at saying, okay, here's the obstacles I need to overcome in order to make it work. How do I go about, you know, one at a time, let's knock them down. And, you know, part of it depends on, like, how serious are, are you about, uh, you know, this new idea. Like, all right, what's what's the possible profit potential? You know, could somebody else do this? Is somebody else working on this? You know, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. But you also got to think about, well, if nobody else thinks it can be done, I think I find I could I, maybe I could find a way to do it. It's like, okay, here's some potential revenue. Somebody's got to be first. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Somebody has to be first. And that's not to say that other people haven't tried but that doesn't mean that they bring the, 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 the experience that you bring to the table. Sure. Right? They don't bring the people that you bring to the table. They don't bring the money that you bring to the table. Maybe they ran out of money. There's a ton of reasons why things could fail. It's not just, oh, well, you know, it can't be done because it can't be done. Well, I mean, like, if that was the case, we'd still be on a flat earth. Sorry, Bob. Uh, <laughs> but we'd still be on a flat earth and not, like, here in America right now. Right? So... The point is, is there's always a way. You have to find it, and that that's one of the concepts of my book in Thirty One Con- like Thirty One Life Changing Concepts. Is you, you have. There's always a way. You just have to be willing to go and find it. Um, and and sometimes it, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, we could circumvent this, but that that point, our costs of doing business would be too high, and maybe we we need to invest more time. And maybe you don't have the money to say okay well if we invest a year into this process we could get this cost down but we don't know like there's no was no knowns no unknowns unknown unknowns like there's things that you just don't know that you don't know until you get there uh so it, it, that's one of those things where it's like okay um that's where your experience comes into play but you have to be able to think on your feet at that point and not you know because experience is great but experience doesn't always you know, we we need to you need to build new ways a lot of times because it's, you're doing if you're especially if you're doing things that have never been done. So it's like your old way of doing things isn't necessarily a great way for what you are currently doing, and you need to build upon those old ways to find new ways, which is also another concept in the book. I'm pretty sure that one's in there. Is it that the old way the, the new way is just uh or the old way is just the foundation for the new way? Don't listen to us. Just read the book. That's yeah, that's it. <laughs> like cha- uh, Thirty-one life-changing concepts. Um, <laughs> you can get it on Amazon. But you know the, the whole the whole point of it is is don't limit yourself to, to thinking like just because you you understand something, even if you understand it really really well, that doesn't mean that you maybe you're too close to the situation. Oh yeah. To, you know, or you don't understand that. Hey, if I had a technology background or not like a coding background and I could take all these employees that I'm paying $60,000 a year for and I had to invest three years and I get some investors. Now all of a sudden I've replaced, you know, five or six or seven or we can scale whatever. So all those $60,000 employees, now I don't need them because I have the, the software that does everything and I can pay someone $20,000 or $25,000 to answer a phone when people call you know and and basically go through the motions so and obviously that that's like super like pie in the sky thinking because you you have to get to that point it doesn't happen overnight um but that just don't limit yourself just because you know or you think you know every way about doing something because there's always there's always 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 a way out there um so anyway 
I think I think that pretty much wraps up. Unless you had anything else that you thought might have uh, be of interest from this week. No, I think you've. Uh, or I think we've said it all. So. Yeah, for this week at least. Um, <laughs> so we'll 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 see till uh, till next week. I'm looking forward to it. Will you be around next Monday? I will. Awesome. I will be here next Monday too. And uh, so yeah, stay tuned for Samantha Riley, the entrepreneur from Australia, uh, who's been doing it since she left high school to pursue her passions and dreams. I'm excited to hear about this. She is, she is, she is awesome. I'm so glad that uh, pretty sure my friend Esther Kish. Who has also been a guest on Dreamers podcast? Uh, ha- she's the one that hooked me up with her. So super excited to get that that interview out there, and it's so awesome. I gotta say, being a dad, having Ava right here in my arms. Um, oh, she's making a cranky face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. We'll just bounce. We'll just bounce. Uh, we're back to neutral. Okay. So uh, so it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been almost an hour, so we still have like I think my interview is for at least a half hour. So we got an hour and a half episode, a Dreamers podcast ahead. Uh, you know, go to uh, superjoepardo.com uh, slash was it, slash dreamers. Just go to dreamerspodcast.com to listen to all the past episodes of Dreamers Podcast. It's uh, it's all at the new superjoepardo.com. Oh, that's a mouthful. Uh, I'm trying to think if I forgot anything this this week or from this week you know it's 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 been awesome it's been awesome i love it and uh wouldn't trade it for anything so uh thanks everyone for listening and uh you know again if you're not following me on facebook follow me on facebook it's uh facebook.com slash pardo joe i think because i think slash pardo is my my entrepreneur page like the my public profile but that you won't see my Facebook lives on there. So yeah. All right. I'm tired. Let's go watch a movie, Matt. Sounds good. And you guys stay tuned because Samantha Riley and my interview is coming up next. Hey dreamers. This show is made possible by listeners like you. If you love the work that has been done so far, please consider going to howtodream.co slash donate to contribute. Thank you so much for your consideration and support. Today, I'm talking with Samantha Riley, who is making her dreams come true by inspiring entrepreneurs to live their dreams, or actually live their the live the life of their dreams. That I got, I, I think I screwed it up, but I think we're gonna go with that. Let's go with that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Samantha, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. I know it's super early over in, uh, in well, they don't say jolly old uh, Australia. Is it like jolly new Australia since it's a little bit younger? Let's go with that. Let's go with new. Uh, <laughs> I Yeah, and it is hot and it is happy. So, yeah, all good. <laughs> 20 degrees here and the internet brings us together. It's beautiful. I love it. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Samantha, if you could get started by giving the, uh, some background about yourself, it'd be awesome. Sure. Um, I, I'm a, I left high school when I was 17, um, right in the middle of a class, actually. So complete dropout and uh, went and lived the corporate life for a couple of years before I realized, no, corporate life was just like school and there was rules and there was people that weren't happy. So I went out on my own and opened up my dance studio when I was uh, 19 years old. 
So dance was my thing. I'd done it all my life, super loved it. And I just went, yeah, let's do it. So I opened up my dance studio and within 12 months of opening my dance studio, I had seen that there was a gap in the market um, for the parents of my studio, of my students to go and purchase their, um, their dance supplies. So we decided to open our first store and um, that's kind of what my husband and I, who he was my business partner also, that's what we did for 18 years, running a dance studio and um, some retail stores selling dancewear. And yeah, that's how I got started. Wow. Okay. So, all right. So uh, what was going through your mind when you decided that you were going to like, all right, I'm done with school. Uh, I mean, did you literally get up in the middle of a classroom? And yeah. Just, like, so I'm, like... I went to s- totally went to school <laughs> that day, like a normal day. Um, expecting to still be there for another year and a half and was sitting in a class and the teacher was talking and I can distinctly remember exactly where I was sitting in the room, who was sitting next to me and I remember the teacher was talking. It was actually in a business maths class and I seriously thought, what is going on here? This is so not where I want to be. So I just started packing up my books and the person sitting next to me said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going. And I just walked out. I never walked back in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Mo- most people don't have have a have a story like that. Um, <laughs> at least not in the middle of class. I mean, that that's pretty bold. Have you? Were you always bold like that, doing things that you were just like, this isn't what I want. So we're just moving on. Yeah. Yep. That's totally me. It's the way I've always been. You know. Um, Back when I was eight years old, um, like all the kids at school, we used to take whatever it was to school in our lunchbox and we used to share it. Um, and I used to make these little these little sweets that you could kind of suck on all day, like these sticky toffees. And um, while everyone else was giving theirs away, I was, I was uh, selling mine. So at eight years old, I was selling sweets at school. Um, so, yeah, I am a little bit different and think differently and um, – you know, if I want to do something, I just do it. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's uh, generally how I go, but I usually th- try to think a few steps ahead, and and usually that takes me a little while, you know, than just like acting. Um, but, but but no, I I love it all the same. That's that's really wonderful. Um, all right, so so let's transition. So, are you still a dance like studio owner slash teacher now? No, 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 no. So back in two thousand and ten. Uh, my husband and I separated, and he uh, through the you know through the separation, the, he took the shops. Um, I kept running the dance studio, um, and I ran it for a year after that. And I was uh, I had my son living with me at the time, and he was still at school. And when you're a dance teacher, your your hours are all after school hours. So he would be at school, and I would be home. And then the second I picked him up from school, I was in the studio teaching every night. And, you know, when he had the day off on Saturday, I would be in the studio teaching all day. And just as, as his sole caregiver, that started to really pay its toll because I didn't have someone else helping me. So in 2011, I sold the dance studio and, and I haven't walked back into that dance world since. Wow. Okay. Um, oh, oh, uh, there was a question that was on my mind. I, I just... It, it just oh your son being in school uh, is he still in yeah. school? He is still in school. He oh, hasn't okay. taken after his mother. <laughs> what what if he did? Would you would you would you think differently of that than like you know seeing um, how, what you were able to do? And I mean because it's still it's still a big step, right? 
it's a massive step. So I've, I've got three children. So my son that still is school is my youngest and my older two have both left school. Um, my, my oldest daughter actually did, didn't finish school either. She went and followed her dreams also in dancing and moved. So at the time we were living in Adelaide, moved I think at 1,700 kilometres away to Sydney at 17 to live on her own and um, do study musical theatre. So, you know, we, we talked about it and I'm like, well, you know, what is it that you want to do? And she said, well, this is really what I want to do. And I'm a big believer in it, it doesn't matter, um, you know, if you quit school or if you go to uni or if you choose a corporate job, as long as it's what keeps you happy and you know exactly why you're doing something. So it's not just flippantly she left school like me. Um, you know, we, we had a discussion, well, you know, what's the pros of, of leaving? What's the cons? And, and talked it out. Um, and my second son went all the way through school and now he's at university. Um, again, it was, we had the conversation, what is it that makes you happy? What do you enjoy to do in life? You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life, but what is it that keeps you happy now? And he's decided to do that. So, um, you know, and the same with my younger son. He's chosen that he, he wants to go into a certain career path. It means that he has to stay at school. So I've always been um, very open with the children. It doesn't matter what you choose as long as you understand why you're doing it. Right. Yeah, no, that that's super important. That's something I preach in, in my books and, and in the talks that I give, especially to kids, about figuring out, like, being very intentional with, like, okay, well, you know, you don't have to go to college. That's that's fine. Um, but what do you plan on doing outside of that? You know? Um, and if you do plan on going to college, you know, you're going to have debt. What are you going to, you know, what kind of life do you want to live and how much debt do you want to accrue? You know, stuff like that. Um, so, so totally uh, great. (laughs) That's awesome that you're not just living it, but you're also, uh, you know, preaching and, and doing it at the same time. Uh, okay, so moving past uh, the the dance studio stuff, getting to uh, what you do now, which is which is coaching, right? Yeah, correct. For entrepreneurs, and so how how did you get into that? <laughs> so yeah, this was this has been a a journey, a real roller coaster journey. So when I separated from my husband back in two thousand and ten, at the time I was also doing personal training. So I'd done a personal training course while I was still teaching because I wanted to add like another another level of what I did into my dance teaching. So when I do something, I like to do it well and try and learn as much as possible. So I just thought, yeah, that, that's a really good add-on. What ended up happening was I sold the dance studio and, and went into personal training and again, wanting to be the best. I'm like, well, what can I add to, to my, my knowledge to make sure that my clients are getting as, as many, like the greatest results that they possibly can. And it wasn't very far into this journey that I realized that actually it was the mindset that was holding people off getting their, their goals, whether it was losing weight or bulking up or whatever it was. It wasn't actually the training. It was the mindset behind it. So I went on and, um, and studied uh, life coaching to sort of to bring that in. And what ended up happening was I opened up a health and wellness center to bring all of this together and I started attracting people saying how did you set up your business so quickly so I started coaching startup business owners and within I think about six months I had more clients that I was helping start a business than I had um, in the health and wellness center so I sold that and went into coaching and uh, that's where I've ended up now wow okay so 
Uh, so you weren't you weren't even planning on doing that to start, which is sometimes some of the, it's usually the best, right? Because because you didn't you didn't plan on it, but people saw the value in it, so you didn't have to try to like not invent the value in it, but you know what I mean? Show people the value in it. It's like they already saw it without even without even, and that's that's one of the things I love about having a a resin like a public resume, right? Where it's like the work that I do is already it's all it's out there. You don't have to be like, well, let me show you my resume. And it's like, well, I can't see any of that proof. Like you say it, but I can't see it. So it it worked out really, really well for you, obviously. Yeah. And what I realized was in setting up that health and wellness center, it was actually someone else that had had the idea and asked me to come in with him because he knew my business experience. You know, I'd been in business for over 20 years and, and he had a lot of experience in in health and wellness and it's like you know I need to bring someone on that's really experienced in business and I I got that you know we signed the lease and did all the negotiations and you know got all the sign writers and the you know everything that needed to be organized in there and we were open within three months and it was funny because I remember when we when we opened and and I was seeing clients I started to get a bit not depressed but a bit flat it was a bit like mm this isn't as exciting as it is as actually doing the setup. You know, the, the excitement of, of negotiating and, and organising contractors and all of that, that's actually when I realised I enjoyed the business of the business more than the actual day-to-day, like, sort of what we were doing. So when people were coming to me and talking about business, I realised this is really, it, you know, it lit me up. I got it all excited. Um, and because I'm a bit of an out-of-the-box thinker, you know, I love sitting down with people and strategizing how to make it better or, you know, you, I'm, I'm, you know, I love going, oh, you know, you should speak to so-and-so because they're the expert in that and they'll be able to help you. And I, I love that getting everything together. So um, it was perfect for me. There was lots of things that pointed to, you know, Sam, run with this, do this because this is what lights you up. Well, no, I, I love that. And, I, and a lot of times that is the best part of business for a lot of people. Um, they just don't necessarily know how to take that to that level where it's like, okay, now I'm getting paid to do this thing that I love doing over and over and over again. If I could start up 10 businesses in a year and then sell those businesses and that like by the end of the next year, it would be awesome because you would be doing very similar type work, uh, just constantly yep. setting things up. But uh, obviously, when it comes to business, there has to be somebody that's like, there has to be a person that's doing the marketing, there has to be a person that's opening the shop or, or opening the doors or putting up the website or, you know, all these little things have to go on. And a lot of times, uh, you know, those are things like those are fun to set up and set the policies and the and like and the procedures up, but like, then actually doing it is not the fun part at all. It's completely different, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it, it very much is. And uh, again, not that, you know, maybe if you had to do it for a week or two weeks or three weeks, it's like, whatever, you got to fill in, you got to do what you got to do. But, you know, long term, it's like, yeah, let's give that to somebody else. Yeah, it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how did your family take this transition of like moving into into coaching? I don't actually talk to my family a lot about what they do. Um, it's funny, um, my brother actually moved into state and, and is living with me for a bit and I work from home and he hears what I do and he, when people say to him, what, oh, you know, what does Sam do? He goes, I can't figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> so I actually don't talk to them about it. 
So, you know, back when we very first opened our business when I was 19 um, and my husband then was 25, you know, we were very young. I think our family was more concerned with it back then because uh, both of our families uh, were in, you know, traditional stable jobs. You know, I don't think there's any such thing as stable jobs, but, you know, they're of the they're of that generation where they think there is stable jobs and and I don't think either of our parents were real wrapped with us choosing you know to go out and do our own thing so it, you know it was a it was a bigger deal back then um and yeah I don't talk to them about it now because there's been some um negative mindset issues along the way so I've decided to not speak to them about business at all you know, and, and that, that's not such a bad thing because, again, if, if somebody's spending time with you and they still can't understand what you're doing, that they're just they're just not going to get it. You know, what I mean, it's like if you're not a technical person, you sat down with like uh, an architect or or like a industrial design artist who's like designing like high level stuff for, for a corporation like you might not get what you know what they're doing or like somebody working in AutoCAD to build, you know, something it's like. You know, unless you spend enough time with them or, or have a background in it, you're just you wouldn't get it. Yeah, totally. Like, um, I was in a uh, a close Facebook group the other day, and so, um, someone who's going out, you know, they they've got their little business sort of working in the background, but they're about to leave a um, a government job, so um, a job that most mm. people would you know like in traditional world. And she and she sort of put it out there that she was really quite upset because their parents were giving her such a hard time. You know, why was she being so silly about leaving a job and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and she was sort of putting it out there and saying, you know, we, um, I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs in this group which obviously don't have this problem. You know, how do I deal with it? And I sort of went in and went, ah, yeah, we all have the same problem. There is people in our lives that don't get what we do or understand what we do. Um, and and they are well-meaning in saying we don't think you should be doing that or, or think a different way. But it's okay to not talk about that anymore, you know. A lot of people talk about leaving your family. Like if, if people don't agree with you, sort of leave them behind. I don't agree with that either. Like they're your family, you know. We, we, sh we should love each other. Just don't talk about the business. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it almost sounds like uh, working in a family business where it's like it's the opposite though of like you're always talking about business because you all worked there. So, yeah. you know, you end up taking it home and, and on vacations and if you can take vacations at that point, yeah. uh, or at least together uh, or, or holidays or anything like that. It's it's uh, it's tough. It's tough to talk about talk about business with, with family unless unless, again, um, they're all like you're you're either all one way or all the other as far as like all have like that stable you know quote unquote stable job or all have like your own entrepreneur businesses or something to that effect yeah correct something that's relatable that's that's what it comes down to is find the middle ground and I, I i agree i don't think that you should let necessarily leave people behind just because they don't understand your work choices i mean it's work for a reason i mean we can love what we do and hopefully they love what they do but totally. it still work like, it, you know, and I noticed this like after I left my, my family's business, like a lot of what we talk about is and other people talk about is just what's going on at work. Well, I mean, we spend like eight, nine, ten hours a day there or wherever we're whatever we're doing. But it's like, man, isn't there anything else that we could talk like? Let's find other stuff to talk about other than work, whether it's complaining yeah. or, you know, <laughs> building up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
hopefully at that point it's more building up than, than complaining, but that's exactly know. what was going through my head. Like complaining. Yeah. Let's try and not do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough sometimes, but you know, it, it does come out and, and you want it, you know, it's hard cause like you want to be supportive of those people and stuff, but you know, sometimes you just gotta find a way to get the conversation somewhere else at that point. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So Samantha, for you, what's been the biggest roadblock in, in entrepreneurship? Far out. So I've been in business for over 20 years. So there's actually been quite a few. Um, And, you know, at different points of the journey, it has been very different things. So, you know, right from when we were very first starting, my roadblock was um, around not having the income coming through the business that we needed and being in a time of our lives, we were bringing up two small children um, and, and the, the problems around the amount of hours that we were working and not having the money to be able to bring staff in to, you know, to give us some time off. So it was that old, you know, not enough time, not enough money and no freedom that, you know, um, sort of back then. Um, but probably I would say my biggest roadblock was um, back in 2010 when I did separate from my husband. So this is... I believe like this mindset problem was far greater reaching than what a, a money problem is for me. Um, Cause money, you can, you can find it from somewhere else, but when your mindset's not where it's meant to be, like, like where, how do you fix that? You know, it, it's such a hard thing to deal with. So I'd been married for 20 years. You know, I got married at 17. So I had, had been with him my whole adult life and we'd been in business together my whole adult life. And all of a sudden, there was no husband, there was no business, and I completely, you know, lost myself. I know it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a funny way of putting it, but I didn't really know who I was. I didn't know what I stood for. I didn't know my purpose. I just, I felt like this shell of a person, you know, lost self-confidence because, you know, I didn't have someone there next to me. Um, and that was actually a journey that sort of went on to really until last year, like 2014, um, that, that four years of really not understanding what my purpose was and struggling through, through that and, and getting my self-confidence back, that was the greatest challenge that I, I've found to date. Well, what's some of the ways that you overcame that and found your, your self-confidence? Yeah, so over that, that four years, I did about as much personal development that any person can do. You know, anything that came under my nose, I did it. <laughs> I'm a personal development junkie. You know, I always want to be the, the best version of myself that I can be. Um, so lots of personal development. Um, uh, writing and gratitude journals uh, was a huge part of that because, my, you know, when, it, when I first separated, it was like, oh, my goodness, I've lost everything. You know, I've lost... I've lost my businesses and, you know, I don't have anything and life's tough. And, and, you know, I could only sit in that funk for so long to go, well, hang on a minute, I've got a roof over my head. I've still got the most amazing amount of friends around me. Like, I'm seriously so blessed. I have so many friends that look after me and, you know, I've still, I, I eat, you know, really good food. And I started to go, well, I've got my health and, you know, my kids still love me and, you know, getting that gratitude going and, and, and really understanding what I did have rather than what I didn't have was a huge, huge part of that as well. But um, I did a lot of work with coaches, you know, just, just working through that process where I was to a point where I was like, you know what, actually, 
I actually am awesome and I actually can help so many people and I actually do have the most amazing life and yeah, let's go again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes we have to take inventory and, you know, self-doubt does help uh, in a lot of ways because it helps check ourselves and uh, check ideas and things like that to, you know, make sure that we're not like all like, hey, yeah, rah, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. But everything just all seems to fall apart and we're just like, okay, rah, 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 we're going to keep going and keep rolling and, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, it's it, and it's it's tough. But you know what? Those experiences uh, are experiences that you take and you've learned and now you've grown because of it to, to help other people as well. Totally. The, the lessons that I've learned on that journey have taken me to such a, a way greater level than, than what I thought that they would. Like coming out this side of it and the conversations with people and the, and the depth that now that I can relate to them. You know, like I've always been a listener and I've always enjoyed helping people, but the depth that I notice that I can go into now just from living it and understanding it is um, – is you know amazing i love it i believe that it's happened so that i can help more people definitely um samantha when you before you walked out of out of class at 17 what was your childhood dream growing up i wanted to be a ballerina isn't that so cliche (laughs) oh well hey you you know you you you, in a lot of ways you did yeah totally yeah, um, I wasn't a professional dancer. I, I, <laughs> I wasn't good enough for that. Um, but that's okay because what I discovered was going into teaching that I had so many talents in being able to to teach. So um, that was great. But, you know, I still have dreams when I go and watch a musical, when I'm seeing the, the stars on stage. Oh, I wish that was me. Like, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of, 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 you know, having the dreams now, what do your dreams for the future look like now that you're, you know, a coach and, and established in a totally different world than you were just five, six years ago? Yeah, my dream now is to get my message out to way, way more people, you know. I look at people like like Tony Robbins that can get his message out to thousands of people at a time or, you know, Oprah Winfrey, Brene Brown. These are people that I really, really look up to. They've they really have, have impacted and changed so many people's lives, not just in their message, but in their contribution to the, to the greater world, like even beyond the people that are hearing their message, you know, out into remote communities in Africa, for example. You know, that, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to inspire people to, to do what they love and to create a life that's perfect just for them to not have to take on... Um, what society thinks they should do you know what is it that I love to do and how am I going to create that and how does that work into my big dream and um, yeah I want to inspire them to do to do that and um, then use that influence in the world to be able to go and do to greater things you know help help um, the you know people in the Philippines that are on the absolute you know they can't even afford to eat like we don't even we don't even grasp that concept. Do you know what I mean? Like that is a world not being away. able to eat for the day. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, I'm inspired by those kinds of people, and and that's that's my dream. That's what I want to go do. That's my vision. Well, I, I love that, and and that's part of the reason why I'm here, and and obviously you're here is to help help make that happen, uh, to help other people, you know, inspire them to do and be be greater and be better than they than they were yesterday, and and do better things. So. 
uh, I, I commend you on that. <laughs> Thank you. Samantha, before we wrap up and, and let people know how they can connect with you, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share? It's actually funny. There was something that came up today and it's something that's come up for me, you know, a few times just in the past week. So I feel like it's something that I need to share. And that's what it, what your dream is, is your dream. If your dream is to, to be in a job and be in a house behind a white picket fence with 2.3 children and two dogs, then that's actually okay. Just because my dream is to be an entrepreneur and travel the world, that doesn't mean that that I want to force that dream onto you. Like that's my personal dream. You know, if your dream is to go and and live in a, a hippie commune and make candles, for example, and that's what you really want to do and that's what lights you up, that's okay. I think there's a lot of people that say, you know, oh, you know, I've got the laptop lifestyle and I travel the world and you should too. Well, what happens if if that person doesn't want to do that? Um, so, so my message is like, be really clear about what, what it is that lights you up, what your dreams are, what does your, you know, perfect life look like and what can you do to design that? And don't worry about what everyone says, like be really clear on what you want to do. Uh, I agree. It's, it's tough sometimes though, because people don't always get the, um, they don't get asked that question. Right. And, and for me, it was a long time before I, I really asked, um, got asked that question or asked that question of myself was like, what do you want to do? You know, if you weren't working here at, at the family business, what would you be doing? And, um, when the, you know, when the truth came out, it, 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 it wasn't so pretty. Um, but, but we're here, right? So it, yeah. it's worked out so far and it's going to continue to work out for me. I no doubt at all. Um, but yeah, for a lot of people that, that, you know, traveling the world, isn't like, I mean, I still live in the house that I grew up in, right? Like I bought wow. the house from my dad. Uh, you know, I lived in like two houses before that, but, but from the time I was like five years old, six years old, this is the house that I pretty much have lived my entire life in. Um, wow. So, you know, and, and, and it's, it's funny because I talk to people like you very regularly of that are like, oh, I'm traveling off to this place and that place. And I love to travel. Like, I love traveling. I love meeting people. And to me, it's more about the people than, than like, hey, I got to see, you know, we went to Italy and we saw the, the Coliseum. And it's like, well, that's that's cool. But like, it's cooler to me to meet the people around the Coliseum, meet the people on the bus you know, to, on the, on the tour, the, you know, that are from all over the world. Like that stuff is way cooler to me than seeing the Coliseum. Like I, it's cool. Like I, I can appreciate it, but it's not the same, you know, as the, as the real experiences that these people bring to me through conversation, just like, as you have done here. So, yeah. um, but you know, at the same time, like I, I don't plan on leaving here. I, I know how much it costs for me to live here and I love living here and I live right outside of New York and Philly and, DC and Baltimore and Atlantic city. And I'm ha very happy here, but, uh, I'd still would like to travel at some, at some point. Yeah. It's yeah. going to cost me so, more money. That's, that's really all. Cool. <laughs> you, because you know, you know that like me living in my childhood house, like that, that makes my skin go, Oh, like that makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, <laughs> I do like traveling and experiencing different places. So that's really cool that we both know, you know, what it is that lights us up and, and makes us happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I like traveling too. It's just it costs me more because I ha I want to keep what I have. Yeah. On top of you know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't totally. really want to like oh I'll just sell everything and eh, whatever you know I'll get an apartment if I have to or you know whatever. Um, 
no, no. See, I, I, I know what I got. I know what I want to keep, and I know where, yep. I, like, I like to go places, but it costs more because you know, yeah. I gotta keep this together. <laughs> yeah, and that's cool. <laughs> Samantha, I would love for you to share how people can connect with you online. Yeah, people can connect with me um, at theaccelerantgroup.com um, or, uh, you know, as you talked about before, I do have a book. It's called The Heart of Entrepreneurship, which is about the, the stories of my past 20 years in, in business and some of the challenges I've had and, you know, lots of case studies and stories about, about the journey. Um, so I'd, I would love to share, share that with your listeners um, Joe, so if your listeners go to the heart of entrepreneurship.com forward slash dreamer um, and they put their details in, I'd love to send them a free copy of the book. And I would love for them to get a free copy of the book. So I will have that in the show notes. <laughs> Beautiful. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I hope uh, I hope you've enjoyed your time here on the Dreamers podcast. I know I've enjoyed I've, having you. I've had a blast. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun and I would love to have you on the show again at some point to catch up, you know, in a year or so and, and just see how you've been. Totally. Let's do it. Awesome. 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 Well, enjoy the heat down there. Thank you, Joe. I, you know, <laughs> enjoy the I think, cold. I think we're getting up. like two to three foot of snow in like a, a, in a couple days or so. So oh, I wow. wish I was joking about that, but it actually apparently is going to be happen if, if, you know, if the, if meteorology, the weathermen are meant to, you know, are, are, yeah. are right. So, um, thank you again, Samantha. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the dreamers podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.